I'm glad we have the Word of God in a day like today. I need it. I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm running to it. And I'm finding the strength and the help and the peace that I need. And I think you'll find it too if you'll let God's Word speak to you. And uh, God gave us the Bible for two reasons. Number one, to show us how to get to heaven from here, how we can have peace with God, how we can be saved. Everybody needs to know for sure when life is over, you have eternal life. It gives you a great peace and satisfaction. Number two, God gave us the Bible to teach us how to live after we know, number one. I want to encourage you to make sure that you spend time in the Bible. When you read the Bible, ask yourself, what does God want me to learn? What am I supposed to pick up from this? What am I supposed to practice? Is there a promise to claim? Is there a reproof to adhere to? God gave us the Bible. The Bible is one book with 66 books inside of it. The first 39 were written before Jesus came. We call that the Old Testament. The last 27, the New Testament, was written after Jesus went back to heaven. And uh, I thank God for the Bible. It, uh, it is something that will give you the mind of God. It will show you the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. You want to be a happy believer? Make sure you're word-filled. You'll be glad. You can dwell in the Word of God richly and let it love you and let you fall in love with its author. That's the real key to a happy life, a happy way of living. Well, if you'll forgive me, I can't really get out of Acts chapter 27 and 28 for at least a couple more services. I have really enjoyed this passage of Scripture. And I've been speaking on the topic in the last few services on a right response to the storms of life. Well, I've never quite been through a storm quite like this uh, COVID-19 crisis. It's, it's been challenging. It just seems like things are changing and, and winds are blowing this way and that way. I feel like a football being kicked all over a rugby field somewhat. And a lot of challenges, a challenge to me emotionally, challenge to our finances, challenge to our families, challenge to our health. A lot of fears are going on, and we're in a storm. And it's a storm that is uh, very unique to us at this time, and it's not just us. There are millions of people going through this. And God wants to help us. God wants to give us perspective, and I am excited about it. And I'm using a story, and you've already read the story with Brother Colston. He did such a good job reading that, and I'm going to ask him to do it again tonight. I'm looking forward to the message this evening. But I want to take this passage of Scripture and just share with us a few lessons from the storms of life. Can I give you a little bit of background? I mean, I just say to you, every storm has purpose. There's a reason. Some storms, they're there to correct us because we have self-inflicted ourselves. We've done something dumb. And we're going through the storm, and it's because of us. Some storms really protect us. God uses us. I know there's been some difficult times in my life where I want to do something, but you know, I found out it didn't happen. It caused me turmoil. But boy, at the end of the day, I realized that God allowed this storm to keep me from losing my life potentially or to protect me from things. And I think some storms give direction. Uh, they prepare us for things. God has a purpose in storms. And sometimes they're caused, quite frankly, because we live in a sin-cursed world. Sometimes they're self-inflicted. Sometimes somebody else makes the mistake. Somebody else. We're suffering for someone else's mistake. Well, in Acts chapter 27, the apostle Paul is in a storm. 
he is, he is a prisoner. He has been uh, given a man in charge of him and some other prisoners, along with some soldiers, to make their way uh, and, uh, from Caesarea Philippi all the way to Rome, Italy, where he is going to appear before Caesar. That is the plan. It doesn't look like it's going to happen, but the Lord reminds him it's going to happen. And just to rehearse, he finds himself in a place called Lysaia, and it's the Fair Havens, and they're on board a large Egyptian ship from Alexandria, the Bible tells us, and it is a cargo ship for grain primarily. At that time, Egypt was called the breadbasket of the Middle East. And it's a place, I have been to Egypt a number of times, and if you follow the River of Joseph there from Cairo to Minya, you'll see beautiful fields just full of fruit and all kinds of things that, that are grown there. Well, at that time, it was still the same. And uh, this Alexandrian ship, it was about 140, 150 feet long. So that's about half of, a, that's about 50 yards, about the size of half of the football field, about 45 feet wide. It has a large sail on it. And there are 276 people that can, that are going to ride on this ship and take this journey. But it's in October, November. It's really not a good time to be sailing there. And, uh, but a lot of time has been sit, sent, spent in this podunk town and this little port that they don't want to be in. They don't want to be there now. They don't want to stay four, um, excuse me, three more months there in the winter. And so there's a lot of pressure for them to move on. And Paul tells them, sirs, I believe if you take this particular journey, you're gonna, it's going to cause some problems to the ship to our cargo, and I think even our lives. And so he challenges them with that and says, I don't think you should go. But the centurion, the man who's in charge of him, Julius, who you can see in earlier passages, he had still, he had really found some favor with Julius. He, he cared for him. I think Paul was respectful. He didn't understand all that was going on, but he, he told him right away, he said, listen, I'll let you go spend some time with your friends when they were in another place. So he really cared about him. Seemed like he had a real ear for him. But when Paul told him that, he went and consulted the master and the captain, and they said, no, we're good to go. We'll make it. It'll, don't worry about what he said. And the, the Julius, the centurion in charge of him, taking him to Rome, decided, you know what, we're going to go ahead and go. And they did. A soft wind blew in, and they said, this is our time. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of Lysaia, and let's go over to at least make it to Phoenicia uh, uh, on the Cretan island there. It's a better place. If we're going to winter somewhere, let's get to a more comfortable place. And they did. And it wasn't too long that a terrible storm came, the Euryclidon storm. It came, and it began to cause tremendous havoc in their lives. The storm lasted for 14 days. That's about how long it would take you to recover from the coronavirus, probably. <laughs> it's about 14 days. They always say two weeks until you're not, no longer uh, you're contagious and things of that nature. Well, this storm is going to be 14 days, and it's going to be tumultuous. It's going to be challenging. And there are problems. The people, uh, the people are, are, are nervous. They're, they're broken up. They're not eating much, probably because they're so busy trying to keep the boat af afloat. And they do all kinds of things. They, they, they start to, to, to confirm up the outsides of the ship. 
they start throwing the tackling and unnecessary things that were necessary and things they wanted and, and are luxurious, they threw them into the water just to lighten the ship. And they had some food on the ship, but they seemed like they fasted. They only ate a little bit at a time because they were nervous. Are they going to be able to keep it? What are they going to have to eat? There was lots of nervousness going on in these, these people here. And the shipmen were nervous. The centurion's nervous. Everybody, all 276 people are nervous on this. And after a long time, the Bible says that Paul spoke up and said, Sirs, you should have listened to me. Don't you love that guy that always just said, I told you so. <laughs> well, that's what Paul became, that guy that said, I told you so. You should have listened to me. You should not have gone, but we did. But, he says, in verse number 22, let's look at that real quickly. He says, now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but we're going to lose the ship. He said, I want to tell you that uh, I think you have a good reason to be happy. You're going to make it. You're going to live, but a ship is going to wreck. And that's what happened. That's exactly what happened, and that's what he said. And he says, I'm, I'm telling you this, not because I'm a, a, an expert sailor or necessarily I know everything, but someone met with me. Would you look at verse 23 there? He says, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, that, um, and saying, Fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Here's a couple things I just think we just, by way of review, remember that whenever you're in a storm, be careful, wait, have patience and prayer before you open your big mouth. <laughs> Sometimes I say the dumbest things when I am not thinking and I just have an opinion about everything when really I should reserve my thoughts and pray before I do that. And he said, after long abstinence, Paul spoke up and he said, the Lord has met with me. God is with me. May I say to you, in the storm of your life, remember that God is with you. He loves you. He loves me, and he'll be with us in the storm. I think about the song, Somewhere in the shadows you'll find Jesus. He is a friend who's always loves and understands. Somewhere in the shadows you will find him, and you'll know him by the nail prints in his hands. Listen, friend, God loves you. And he'll join you. You know, Paul was a prisoner. He possibly had chains on his legs or his feet. He was not in the captain's quarter laying in a plushy bed. He was probably in the hull of the ship in the worst possible condition. And the Lord appeared to him. The angel of the Lord came to him. By the way, when you're at your low spot, God will be with you. He loves you. He's going to be with you. You can trust him. You say, Pastor, I'm so lonely. I don't know if I have enough toilet paper. Oh, listen, calm down about that, friend. But uh, you can say, I don't know if I'm going to have this, or am I gonna, what's going to happen to my house? Am I going to make my mortgage? Are my kids going to continue to be able to go to school? What's going to happen? Am I going to keep my job? Wherever you are in moments of difficulty, know this, God is there. He'll be with you. He'll stand with you. You can trust him. He said, the Lord is with me. I want you to notice also, he said, the Lord who, whose I am and who I serve. Let me just tell you something. I want you to know this about the Lord. He said, I belong to God. You know, you kind of uh, understand this about God. You know you're God's because of creation. He made you. You're not an animal. 
You've got a soul, you've got a body, you've got a spirit. You have an aptitude. Listen, animals have a body and they have a, a soul, a personality. They do not have a spirit. They have no aptitude to worship God. You do. God put that inside of you. But you're God's because you were created by God and he made us. Number two, we have been, because of preservation, God has sustained us. How many of you have ever remember almost dying? You just missed a head-on collision just barely, or something came by your head, and, or you were in some place where you almost died. You know why you're still listening to me today? Because God has preserved you. You're, you're, you're God's, and I'm God's because of creation. He made us. We're God's because of preservation. He has sustained us. God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. But you know, this is important. Though everyone listen to me, you are God's by creation and preservation. He sustains you. But you need to be God's by redemption. He has purchased your sin. But you must accept his son. Hey, listen, not everybody is redeemed by God. Oh, I, I think one of the most beautiful words in the human language is the word Linda. <laughs> I love the word Linda. I say it oftentimes. I said it this morning. I said it last night. I love my wife, Linda. But probably my next favorite word is the word redeemed. I love to hear the song, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. I, I like that word. It means to be bought back. Oh, I was made by God. I've been preserved by God, but I have been redeemed by the Lord. Have you been redeemed by Jesus? Do you know for sure that you have peace with God, that your sin have been paid for, that you have eternal life with God? God does not want us to perish. That means to be put away from God eternally, but that everyone would come to repentance. You know what? To, to get saved, it, you'll have to overcome two things. Pride, to admit that I've been wrong. And I need to change my mind about who God is and what he can do for me. I remember when that happened to me. It was at about midnight beside my bed in Picayune, Mississippi, when I came to terms that I was a sinner. I deserved to be separated from God, and I accepted his gift of eternal life. Have you done that? If you haven't done that, I hope you will. Don't let pride or procrastination keep you from accepting the gift of eternal life. Accept him. And be redeemed by him. He said, listen, guys, the Lord has been with me, and the Lord will be with you. And he has, I serve him, and I belong to him. Do you belong to Jesus? Oh, you want to make sure that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that he has you, you have him. When you get saved, he has you. And surrender, we understand that he has us, and we want to be faithful to him in that way. He said, I, I know who I belong to, and I know who I serve, and that's the Lord. And he appeared to me. And I want you to notice the next thing it says. The next word in verse number 24 is saying, Fear not, Paul, for thou shalt be brought before Caesar. Let me ask you to say this. A reminder of this is this is what God said. You know, what God said, he does. What God says, he does. If he says he's going to do something, he does it. And you can, those things are not separated. He said, the Lord told me this, that I don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Why? Because God's going to make it sure that Paul gets to Caesar. He's going to be going to Rome. And God says, You're, don't worry. Whatever's going to happen in this, in this time, in this storm, I'm going to take you 
to Rome. You're going to go there. You know, if you're a child of God, whatever may happen, you're going to heaven. <laughs> you're going to be before the Lord. Someone a lot better than Caesar, you're going to be before God. And, you know, whatever happened, you can work your way through it. God can give you the strength to go through that. And he says, don't be afraid. If you feel fearful, stop it. <laughs> you don't have to continue to be afraid. You can trust in the Lord. He loves you and he will help you. I want to notice another thing real quickly, and I want to hasten because a couple things I really want our folks to hear in particular this morning. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Here we find two concepts. I just mentioned one of them, and that is what God said. He told him this, and it shall be. It's going to happen. What God says, he's going to do. But also the same, if God says something, he's going to do it, then you know what? Cheer and faith are also to go together. If you can believe what God said that he's going to do, then you can be cheerful and faith-filled. I believe God and I believe God. I believe God and be of good cheer. You know, I want to encourage you during this difficult time. If there's anybody that ought to be on top side, and I'm not saying not have some, some concern, not have some... Uh, precautions and prudence, but you ought to be one of the happiest people on the planet. God's going to take care of you. He's going to help me. He's going to help you. And we ought to have a little bit of a, a, an excitement about us. What is God doing in this process that would meet eternal purposes? God has a purpose. We can trust his power. We can trust his purposes. Let's continue on reading. So he tells them it's going to be okay. And God, we can be cheerful and we can believe God because what he said he's going to do I'm going to Rome, and so are you, and no one is going to be lost. How be it? Look at verse number 26. The Bible says, how be it? We must be cast upon a certain island. Well, listen, friend, uh, that means that there's going to be, we're going to land, we're going to land on the ground. We're out here in the sea. This is now 14 days of misery, seasickness, despair, challenge, fear, all of the which. Are, are, are some things that we have today here. We have some fear. We have some challenges. But he said, how be it? We're going to make land. And you know what, friend? We're going to make land in this difficult time. God's going to help us. Look at verse 26, would you? Or 27. But when the 14th night was come in the storm, as we were driven up and down to Adria by the midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near some country. So the shipmen, the people that are sailors, Boy, I, I hate to miss this part, but I may cut off the, 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 uh, the uh, baloney right here in just a few moments here. But the shipmen, the people that knew, uh, they knew the seas. They're the experienced one. They're the skilled sailors. They had perceived in their spirit, we're getting close to some land. So what they did, they dropped off a lead, uh, a big lead anchor, so to speak, with a, 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 a rope. And they dropped down and see when it would stop on the bottom. And when it stopped the first time, it was 120 feet fathom. In the Bible, when you see a hand uh, a span, it was between a man's finger and his thumb. Or a cubit was usually from the top of his hand to his there. A span was about the length of a man's uh, extent. If he put his arms out, maybe six foot, a fathom, if you will. And so a, a, a cubit, a span, a fathom. And they dropped that down. They saw that it was about 120 feet. They sailed a little bit farther, and they dropped it again, and it was about 90 feet. And they realized we're getting closer 
to land. It's getting more shallow as we go along. And they got excited and they went out in the back and they dumped off four anchors. Four anchors in the back of the ship. They dropped four anchors there and they wish for the day. In closing, may I say to you, uh, while we're waiting for daylight to come in our challenge, there's four anchors that might be good for you to drop. And then I can't wait to tonight. I hope you'll not miss tonight. I have something tonight I wanted to get to this morning. Time's not going to let me do it. But I believe every Christian ought to listen what I'm going to share this evening. I'll start off with it this evening. Then you can, you can fade off if you want to after you hear point number one tonight. But uh, I want to just tell you real quickly, uh, they put up four anchors and they dropped them. They say, we're getting close to shore. While we're waiting for daylight to come, we might be able to see land somewhere. We might see the island we're going to land on that Paul said about. We're going to drop four anchors. Can I give you a couple anchors to drop during this time while we're waiting to see the land? I don't know how long this is going to last. People who talk to me say it may get a little worse before it gets better. Uh, it might be a little more quarantine. It might be a little bit of things. I think about the 1918 uh, Spanish flu. They say it about two months of challenges before they kind of saw things go away. The flu subsided and people went good. That may be what we're looking for. I don't know. But we may be, but maybe a little while before we get to land. But while we're waiting, drop four anchors. Number one, drop the anchor of prayer. Decide, you know what, I am going to pray like I've never prayed this morning. I had a man talk to me this morning. He said, Pastor, I have been praying. I have not prayed like this in a long time, but I've been praying. Brother David told me that. Brother Alex told me that. Several people said, Pastor, I am praying. Hey, listen, that's a good anchor to drop while you wait for the morning to come. Number two, drop the anchor of the Bible. Hey, spend more time in the scriptures. Turn off YouTube for a while. Turn off the other things and turn your television off and get to the Bible, you and the Bible, and anchor yourself in the wonderful Word of God. Hey, drop the anchor of prayer. Drop the anchor of the Word of God. Drop the anchor of the Holy Spirit's sensitivity. God's got something for you, and the Holy Spirit lives inside the believer. If you're not yet saved, the Holy Spirit wants to live inside you, but he was a perfect gentleman. You'll have to ask him to come in. You'll have to ask him to forgive you. Drop the anchor of a spirit-filled life. Say, Lord, help me to live spirit-filled. Don't be watching things you shouldn't watch. Don't get caught up in chat rooms you shouldn't be in. Don't get caught up in viewing things that are wrong and you have some idle time. Hey, listen, get to the Word of God. Get to prayer and drop the anchor of a spirit-filled life. One more, don't forget the anchor of the local church or the body of believers. Hey, we can't assemble like we sometimes could because of the restrictions, and I'm good with that. I've kind of accepted that. But I need you, friend, and you need me. And we need each other. And we need the house of God. We need the people of God. Stay connected to the work of God. God uses three things so the Christian can be stable. His word, he gives us his word, he gives us his spirit, and he gives us his body, the local church. Stay connected to your brothers and sisters in Christ, especially while we wait for daybreak to come on this situation in our storm.